And good afternoon, people. I come to you today uh, with heavy hearts. Um, uh, brother and sister of ours in Christ, uh, they lost their uh, seven-year-old son uh, Friday. Um, uh, I guess he went to the hospital last Sunday and started deteriorating for unknown reasons. And then uh, Friday morning, he passed away, seven years old. Um, and still, the cause is unknown, mysterious illness. Um, th this, this thing that we're doing called life is, is, is not a game. And this thing that, that, that we believe in called Christ is not just some game that we play. Um, something to do, some religion to take part in, some traditional, some traditional, some traditions to exercise. Um, this is serious business. Uh, this has to do with eternity. This has to do with eternal hope. And it is our hope in Christ when our loved ones pass that we will see them again if they were believers. Uh, some people think this is foolish. Um, well, that's, that's on them. Um, I'd rather have hope and a belief and faith in something that I know is real because I've experienced it than to have um, a hopeless existence um, when we die, just nothing happens. And so uh, this isn't just religion for me, and this shouldn't be just religion for you. This should be real. This should be something that's in here. This should be something that we have a hope uh, in that we can look forward to. And we look forward to the day when we can be reunited with our loved ones who believed in Christ and reunited with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so, Blake, young man, revel in the Lord. Revel in the Lord. Um, <clears throat> revel in the Lord. Uh, we're going to go um, get back into the Word here. <clears throat> uh, this is the Word Encounter uh, number 21, I believe. And uh, we're going to start where we left off. So we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 19. We left off with chapter 18. And so we're going to proceed in 19. In verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. <clears throat> Nothing else need be said. Be holy because I am holy. That's the only reason that's necessary. I don't need to give you any other reasons. You're my children. I created you. You are from me. I made you in my own image. Therefore, be holy because I am. Be holy because I am holy. That is sufficient reason enough. That is sufficient reason to not not be holy. We should run away from unholiness because our Lord God is holy. 
The one that created us is holy. He is holy. I am to be holy as he is holy. Is it possible in this lifetime? No, I don't believe it's possible. But that is my hope and my desire that every day, every week, every month, every year, I get closer and closer and closer and closer to being holier and holier and holier and holier, closer to him. True holiness, not fake holiness, not holiness that man defies as holiness, but true holiness righteousness, justice, peace, everything that we are to be, that we are to exercise, that we are to exude, that should be pouring from our pores. That is what we want to be. That is who we strive to be. And so we, 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 we do that and we strive to be that because the word says, be holy because I, the Lord, your God am holy. And that is the only justification that is necessary. If we go on to verse 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap to the very edge of your field or get, uh, gather the gleanings of your harvest. Verse 10, do not strip the, vine, the vineyard there or gather its uh, fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor, for the resident alien, for I, the Lord, am your God. Now, why does that matter? What does this mean? <clears throat> And so what the Lord is telling people is that when you go out for your harvest, don't get everything. Don't get, clean out every nook and cranny of the field and the crops and, and everything because the poor, the gleaners would come behind the poor and they would gather so that they would have sufficiency in order to live uh, um, and, and eat and breathe and whatnot. And so the Lord is saying, be essentially be generous. You know, you don't need to, 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 to harvest every single last stalk. You don't need to do that. You can leave some things for your brothers and sisters. And so this is what the Lord is saying. This is this is a, a tenant to being righteous, to being holy. You know, you don't have to hoard everything for yourself. You know, we just saw, you know, months ago, people hoarding toilet paper, don't even knowing why they're hoarding to toilet paper. They're just doing it, preventing other people from having it. That was fear speaking. I get it. But they weren't leaving any gleanings for others. They were only thinking about themselves. And so... In verse 15, uh, the word says, do not act unjustly when deciding a case. Do not be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. And so, and then it says, uh, judge your neighbor fairly. What the Lord says is what their economic status is, is irrelevant. Whether they're poor, don't show them a special treatment. If they're rich, don't hate on them. You know, it doesn't matter what they are. Be fair, be just, judge, judge people on their merit, what they do, what they don't do. You know, whether they're guilty or not, not their economic status. We see so much of that now. In a lot of cases, it's kind of a reverse thing going on where, where richer people are automatically considered somehow evil or, or demonic or, or something like that. And so people will say things like the rich, the rich, you know, as if all people that are rich are in the same category and therefore they dare to be treated with the same degree of contempt. This is not so. This is not true. This is not the way it should be. People should be evaluated on their own merit. If we go on to verse 23, when you come into the land and plant uh, any kind of tree or food, you are to consider the fruit forbidden. It will be for forbidden to you for three years. It is not to be eaten. Verse 24, in the fourth year, all of its fruit is to be considered as a praise offering to the Lord. In verse 25, but in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, its yield will increase for you. I am the Lord your God. This is kind of a precursor to something we're going to get into a little bit later here uh, with regard to first fruits. 
uh, and I'm just going to leave that uh, there right now. Um, <clears throat> ah, this is interesting. Verse 28. You are not to make gashes on your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves for I am the Lord. Now, we're in a culture now where everybody's tattooing. And is that is that against the word of God? I'm, I'm not sure because I'm not sure the context of this. I'm not sure if he's talking about, you know, putting marks or tattoos on your body reference uh, to the dead. In other words, kind of worshiping the dead, you know, and we certainly see those kind of tattoos. So maybe that's what it's referring to. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure if it's all marks or tattoos or just those in reference to the dead. In verse 29, it says <clears throat> this is weird. Do not debase your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will be prostituted and filled with depravity. That's kind of a statement of the obvious, but obviously it wasn't so obvious because if the Lord had to say it, it had to be a common practice going on in this time. And so I can't imagine, you know, fathers and mothers making prostitutes out of their daughters in order to in, in order to drive the economics or, or whatever. I don't know. But. Obviously, this had to be an issue or else the Lord wouldn't have brought it up. In verse 31, it says, do not turn to mediums or consult spiritists or you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And so we see where we have a lot of, you know, you know, dial one nine hundred psychic numbers and and all those sort of things. People are looking for the supernatural, but they're looking in the wrong place. The Lord is supernatural. He has supernatural agents called angels. And so these are sort of things that people don't realize. So they start turning to the counterfeit. They start turning to palm readers and, and other things. And the Lord detests that. And he says it very plainly. In chapter 20, we move on. The Lord, Lord spoke to Moses. This is verse 1. Verse 2, say to Israelites, any Israelite or alien resident in Israel who gives any of his children to Molech must be put to death. The people of this country are the, the people of the country are to stone him. Now, what's Molech? Molech was a god, and, 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 and the followers of, of Molech would sacrifice their children, usually by burning, sacrifice their children to Molech for their own whatever, their own benefit, eternity, whatever. So they would sacrifice uh, their children. And obviously, the Lord saw this as detestable. Detestable, A, that they were worshiping this false god called Molech. Detestable, B, because they were sacrificing their own children. And their own children are made in God's image. And this was a no-no. And so we can make some analogies here with regard to today's culture and abortion. And so people are sacrificing, in my opinion, to the God of convenience. And so they get involved in something. A woman gets pregnant. It's not a convenient time for her. So she says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And we pass it off. We excuse it as a right. And for those who don't agree with it, we're called haters of women. I don't hate women. I love women. I just hate the thought of people sacrificing children. That's what I hate. And so, you know, this is this is very clear to me anyway. And so let's go on further. In chapter 20, verse 10, if a man commits adultery with a married woman, if he commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both adulterer and adulteress must be um, put to death. In verse 11, if a man sleeps with his father's wife, he has violated the intimacy that belongs to his father. Both of them must be put to death. So we go through uh, other things where sexual uh, indiscretions, we'll say, are punishable by death. Now, we came across here uh, um, in chapter 18 talking about these similar things, but there was no punishment attached to it as we see here in chapter 20. Now, this is critical. I cannot state this plainly enough. 
We are reading right now through the Old Testament, through the Old Covenant. A lot of people take Old Testament things out of context. These are what, what are called the Levitical laws because we're in Leviticus. And so people will a lot of times point to things in Le Leviticus that says, well, the Bible says blah, 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 blah. You know, and so if you get caught in adultery, stone them to death. If you get caught doing some other things, stone them to death. I mean, some other things in here. Um, oh, another one, verse 27, a man or woman who is um, a medium or spiritist must be put to death. They are to be stoned. Their death is on their, is their own fault. So we see again, the penalty is death. But again, we're in the Old Testament. Now, why does that matter? Because in the Old Testament, well, throughout history, you know, God is consistent. He cannot stand sin. He cannot stand in the presence of sin. If you're a sinful being, you cannot be in his presence. And so therefore, his number one enemy is sin. And so the only way to atone for sin or to make up for it, if you will, is through the shedding of blood, you know, animal blood, human blood, whatever. And so that that was the point of the system of sacrifices was for the shedding of blood. And so we see here that, you know, we're talking about stoning to death. And so in order to atone for the sin, then uh, these people are put to death to atone for the sin. Now, again, that's Old Testament. New Testament, Jesus comes along. Jesus dies on the cross for all of those who believe. And Jesus is the eternal atonement for sin. So through the blood of Jesus, we can uh, rest assured that uh, our blood and whatnot will not have to be shed in order to atone for our sin. Now, if we go to uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31, it said, verse 30 says, anyone who is not with me is against me. This is Jesus talking. And anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Verse 31. Therefore, I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy, every sin and blasphemy, blasphemy, <clears throat> but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he's saying all sin will be forgiven, except if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, that will not be forgiven. And so we see here that through all of these sins that people are committing, that are punishable by death in Old Testament times, according to the covenant with the Lord. And this is between the Lord and the Israelites, not anybody else, the Lord and his people. We see here that as we come through the cross after the death of Jesus and, and resurrection, that we have atonement, eternal atonement for sin. All we do is recognize who he is. That's all that is required.